Welcome to the Boys on the Bench podcast. We are your host. I'm DJ Riley, and alongside me is my brother, Dalton Riley, and my lifelong friend, Nathan Eastwood. We welcome you to the start of our show where we're discussing the hypotheticals, rumors, and everything else in between in sports. And boys, I don't know about y'all, but this feels like it's been such a long time coming, but I'm so happy we're able to get this started. Yes, yes, I agree. Like you said, it's been a long time coming, and I'm excited to finally get this show on the road and uh, ride the pine with you boys. Let's get it going. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we're finally putting some plan to some action. So, yeah, I'm excited. Let's go. That's later on, and I cannot wait to hear y'all's reaction is there was kind of something, a, l- a little side deal that little Jimmy G got to work out whenever he signed his deal with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I can't wait to see y'all's reaction. But let's hop into this. So with everything that's been going on so far this offseason, I am a firm believer that this has been the hottest free agency and or trade market that we have seen in the NFL. It's been the hottest by far, I feel like. Um, One of the things that kind of has struck me here lately was Gilmore going to the Cowboys. Um, I was trying to figure out why they went after Gilmore instead of Ramsey because, one, are they are the Cowboys trying to sell out like the Rams did just to win a Super Bowl and then start start fresh or or what? I don't I don't know. Can can they not afford Ramsey or what, what's going on? So I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me why they would go after Gilmore instead of Ramsey. But I don't know. It's a crazy off season and given everything that's been going on, I think the Cowboys interstate to where they're ready to sell out to win a Super Bowl and give the Dallas fans what they want and that's to see a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, I believe that Gilmore can still be a good asset to the Cowboys. Um, he'll be 33 years old this upcoming season, uh, but we can't forget that this man was a 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. He earned a Pro Bowl nod in 2021 and played at a pretty high level last year. Uh, I think that Gilmore is still a dude, and he has plenty left in the tank and can bring some experience and fire to this young, ambitious cornerback group in Dallas. Um, I don't know if many people listen to the pro football focus. I know people have uh, their opinions, uh, but uh, as a pretty reliable source, they currently have Stefan Gilmore ranked number five in their final cornerback rankings for 2022. And that's four spots ahead of Jalen Ramsey at number nine. Um, So I think that, with a young cornerback group there, uh, bringing St- uh, Stephon Gilmore there. I think that he, he's going to end up putting some fire into this group. I think they're going to, uh, you know, bring some experience to the table. Um, and he's going to, um, you know, probably give uh, that group what they need and experience anyways. Um, I think that there's still some growing pains, you know, especially uh, with Trayvon Diggs. Um, if you look at him, you know, he's a pretty aggressive playmaker, um, multi uh, double digit picks. Um, and so I think that, you know, that also led to some big play, you know, um, mistakes on his part where he's been too aggressive. Uh, balls were throwing deep plays. He gave up some big plays. And I think that Stefan Gilmore is going to come in and kind of work with them. I think that he's going to help that, that young group mature a little quicker. And I think that's going to make that group look really good this year. So I'm excited to see them. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think that that is something that is kind of the interesting side of that whole trade to me is kind of, you know, he obviously is playing at, at still a, such a high level, and I think we really got to see that with him, and that probably speaks to his PFF grade that he got as being the, the fifth overall kind of ranked cornerback. But, I mean, he, he was on a Colts team that was very bad, playing in a lot of behind games. So he, he kind of had to step up, and he's, again, proven himself that he is one of the, the top cornerbacks. And for me, and if, I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I – personally love that trade 
I would not. I mean, I, I love Jalen Ramsey, but I think what Stefan Gilmore brings to the table is a whole lot more valuable than what Jalen Ramsey brings to the table. You know, Jalen Ramsey being one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league, not as much experience, but again, he, he is a dog and it's something that people can learn from. I think it had been, it had been cool to see him in Dallas. Like that, that would have been so electric. And I know Cowboys fans would have been going crazy. Um, but overall, I, I really like that Gilmore trade. So I, I think as a Cowboys fan, you should be happy with the Gilmore trade because one, like, like you said, Jalen Ramsey is going to want top dollar. And let's be honest, like last year with the Rams, you didn't really hear much about Ramsey like you had in the past. And I think the whole purpose of bringing in Stephon Gilmore is to kind of like give that leadership aspect to Trayvon Diggs. And we're talking about like, if you go back and you watch some of the videos where Trayvon Diggs at minicamp is just getting scorched by like six round rookies and everyone's saying like, Oh, he's overrated and all this and all that. And then we get into the season and this man shuts Justin Jefferson down for like one catch, maybe two. And I'm like, and he did the same thing to AJ Brown against Philadelphia. I mean, in my opinion, I think, as of right now, I think I'd rather have Trayvon Diggs with Stephon Gilmore uh, over Jalen Ramsey. I was just talking about it because everybody else in the media was saying that if the Cowboys want to win a Super Bowl, that they needed to get Jalen Ramsey. But I, I think Jalen Ramsey's kind of a selfish player, and he's all about himself and not a team. So that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, no, Nathan, I absolutely agree with you. I, but, uh, you know, with Jalen Ramsey, that dude is um... – He's a whole personality in the NFL. The dude's a dog, and I think that he has a lot of what a team's desire out there. I think that um, you got to have that level, that type of intensity, that type of selfish ambition, just to go out there and just play at that elite level. Um, I think that uh, Stephon Gilmore. I think that he's just as elite as a cornerback, just a totally different personality. Um, and I think that's the type of personality that the Dallas Cowboys are looking for. I think it's exactly what they need. Uh, that type of maturity to go out there and want to grow guys. I think he's kind of, you know, still wants to play at an elite level, but I think he's ready to help a team mature, give them that type of uh, player that they need. Um, and I was looking back at Trayvon Diggs's uh, stats. Um, he had three interceptions in 2020, and then he had 11, uh, he had 11 in 2021, and then he had three again this past year. Um, just to show you how aggressive he was there in 2021, I think some teams just tried, figured out who he was as a corner. I think that, you know, it didn't take long to realize on double move routes and stuff and making those big plays, getting him to jump. And I think that that kind of, I agree. I think that hurt him um, in his gameplay. And I think that Stefan Gilmore coming in and helping him grow as a cornerback, Trayvon Diggs grow. I think that, uh, and those other cornerbacks there in that room, I think that uh, it's going to be what they need. And I think uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. So I think uh, Stefan Gilmore is going to be a really, really good for them. And so I think that's better than Jalen Ramsey at this point for what they need. No, I agree. And again, if if we even think about kind of adding Jalen Ramsey to that Cowboys team, I know that in a sense they they are essentially selling out. Like they 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 need a Super Bowl because I I am married to a Cowboys fan, and she is constantly complaining. You know, you always hear you know this is our year, this is our year from them them Cowboy diehards. But um, needless to say, I mean they're getting to the point where they they're having to make some decisions. You know, they, they just recently had to let go of Ezekiel Elliott and they're having to get, thank God (laughs) from a, from a Cowboys fan. Um, But they're, they're having to make some moves. And personally, 
if you're telling me that I had to pick again between the Stefan Gilmore and, and the Jalen Ramsey, I will take a much older Stefan Gilmore over a Jalen Ramsey any day. And again, if we look at the Jalen Ramsey trade, the reason we're all talking about Jalen Ramsey is, you know, he is currently under contract at the time. He was currently under contract with the Rams, but we all knew that that was a, a cap casualty team and they were going to have to move on from it. But that Jalen Ramsey trade was honestly a very interesting one for me. I thought that, you know, especially at the level that he was playing, some people can say that he's declining, you know, like uh, Dalton said earlier, we, you know, we saw him coming at the number nine overall uh, PPF graded cornerback. Um, but again, that was a very bad and a very depleted um, LA Rams team. So I, I'm, I know that that plays into it. The motivation is kind of lost and everything else. Um, but if we look at the Jalen Ramsey trade to the Dolphins, it's honestly very interesting to me. So in my opinion, like I said, I thought that we had got a lot more compensation than what they actually did. So what the Rams got back in return, a third round pick and a very young tight end by the name of Hunter Long, who has played only a, a very short career. It's been a two year career, but out of those two years, he only has one career reception. In the Insane words of Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy? No, on <laughs> honestly. And so that's what I mean. Like, I, I, I don't know a third round pick. I thought for sure you're, you're getting a steal with even a second, having to give up a second. And they were able to give up a third and a, a tight end who really hasn't proven to be much. And I, I don't know much about what Hunter Long had did in college or anything else like that. But just hearing that name, it doesn't really ring a bell for me. So I, I hope that he does well. I hope that he proves me wrong, but it, we're talking about Jalen Ramsey here. The Dolphins are not, we're not talking about a bad Dolphins team. The Dolphins definitely won that trade. We're talking about a Dolphins team that made the playoffs, that went to Buffalo on the road in the wintertime and damn near won that game with a 10th string quarterback. Yeah. Skylar Thompson this, coming in there. Exactly. Like this is not a bad Dolphins team. This is a pretty good Dolphins team we got Mike McDaniel out there you know just ripping fat clouds on the sideline <laughs> but I mean if that you add Jalen Ramsey and then a, a healthy Tua I think the Dolphins beat Buffalo and Buffalo I mean okay but, but look I hear and look I, I agree with DJ I you know I'm not surprised I this doesn't surprise me with the Dolphins you know bringing in a young coach I, I feel like they took the Rams playbook um as when it comes to building a team and I think they're doing the same thing um I feel like this is the new era of the NFL, uh, new coaches, new money. Um, I think that it's, you know, obviously the way it panned out for the Rams, I don't think it, re you know, yeah, they got a Super Bowl, but what does that mean for their future? You know, how are you going to rebuild now with all your, you know, your, your picks are gone, your future picks. And, um, you know, now they're trying to create. Well, cap it's space. only a third round. It's only a third round though. They it, still it's got their first it, and their it, second. It, that's right. And so they, it's only they still got old Matthew Stafford, Texas native. Okay. So don't, don't be hating on that man there. But like what I'm saying is, is like, you know, so I, th I see what the Dolphins are doing. It doesn't surprise me. I think they're going to, tr they're a win now team. You know, is that going to be with Tua, you know, with the injuries that he's, he's going through, he's battling right now with the concussions. Uh, is he still over his hip issue he had at Alabama, you know? So, but you know, I, I'm surprised. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what happens at the quarterback position, but right now, you know, this is a win all team right now. You know, you, you're doing exactly what the Rams did. If you don't win, if you don't come through with the Super Bowl for your, for Miami, you know, now your future's gone. I mean, 
this is a make it or break it, you're, you're, you know, for, for what these NFL teams are doing. And, and I don't know if the Rams kind of set that bar and uh, hit it, and now other teams are going to try and copy it. So I, I don't know if this is the yeah. new way of doing things, structuring contracts and things in the NFL and bringing in big stars, big money. Well, no, rest- I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. Restructuring contracts is definitely like, well, I've, it's, it's such a new trend. And I think it's ways that kind of organizations, NFL organizations are, are moving about it. Because again, with this, this Jalen Ramsey trade, if you look at their, some of their players and what they're due within the next couple of years, it's almost like, why did you just bring in this dude? Because now I feel like, and I'll, I'll go over some of these numbers with y'all, but it's almost seems like it's a, it's a make it or break it year. Not a make it or break it year or two. You this it's either you win it all this year, or you have got to make some drastic changes. This this Dolphins team in twenty twenty three could look vastly different than the Dolphins team in twenty twenty four. If so, Tua stays healthy, well, even if I mean yeah. because they, I, I don't know, I don't know. But again, let's let's look at some of these numbers. So with the addition of uh, Ramsey. They were able to restructure his contract immediately after the trade. This season, again, he is the highest paid cornerback. This season, he is only due. He only has a cap hit of $4.1 million for the 2023 season. Sounds perfect. But what they did is they kind of— What a steal. Yeah, no, for sure. And But what they did, though, this year, it is a total steal. But we look at the 2024 season, that gives the Miami Dolphins six players— over a 20 plus million dollar cap hit for the 2024 season. Those players, Tyreek Hill, 31 million. The newly acquired Jalen Ramsey at 28 million. Bradley Chubb, 27. Xavier Howard, the cornerback opposite of Jalen Ramsey now, 26 million. Tua, 23. And Taron Armstead at roughly 21 million. So the projected cap, all of that together. Between those six players is 156 million. The projected cap for the 2024 season, 256. That leaves 100 million dollars between everybody else on the team. But I mean, I agree. That takes me right back to my original point. You know, that, that, there they go copying the playbook for the Rams. You know, uh, a few years ago, and th- they're doing exactly what they're doing right now. They have to win. What are you going to do next year? You, you, what, you, what's your quarterback situation look like? Was this the right decision for the Miami Dolphins at this moment? I don't know because they they don't have that quarterback certainty yet. They, there's so much uncertainty there that I don't know if they have that to be making those moves right now. Now, I believe McDaniel's is a great coach. I think I have I make I, I love that man. I, I'm excited to see what this man does in the NFL. I think he's one of the smartest if not the smartest, youngest coach in the NFL. I think he's going to be a bright star, great for the Miami Dolphins. But is this the right move in doing this to your future there for the Miami Dolphins? You know, if you if you don't do anything this year, what does that say for you as a young coach now, you know, if you don't win? Because you won't win next year. You won't win the next couple years later because you can't afford the players. So I I don't know if I agree with this by the Miami Dolphins. I, I, I don't agree with it. It's, it's what I'm saying. It's for me, for me it, it's tough as well because – like I said, you have to win this year. And if Tua goes out there and wins, then obviously we're, we're all good. I mean, even takes them on a playoff run, is that enough? Gets them to just the divisional round. I think that people are going to be coming after Tua and saying he's got to go. But then what do you do? You know, I yeah, that's going to open up $20 million, but let him walk. Gonna... Yeah, and that's you what I'm saying. You can't trust a quarterback coming out of the state of Alabama. 
Yeah, no, honestly, though, I mean, name look, name one quarterback who's come from Alabama who's had a successful four year career in the NFL. Hey, AJ McCarron, oh, NFL. Okay, I think you're gonna say him. Jalen Hurts is so McCarron. far as I think he's. I think Jalen Hurts is on a pretty good track there, Nathan. He ended but, his career in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. No, no, you can't. He's you built, can't say that. Nick Saban. Nick Saban let him walk. Saban let him walk. Saban let him walk. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know whether I classify him as a as a Bama player or a OU player. Like, if you're gonna play for Bama and you're gonna get benched at halftime in the Natty after you just took your team there, no, no, you're a you're a Sooner baby. Well, there's yeah. a lot of good talent, a lot of good talent. But yeah, but speaking of Tua, um, guys, did you guys hear about what he's doing with all the fall training? You guys hear about like his all these concussions he's been having? So some things that um. I found interesting, like a uh, camera across one of my feeds. Um, Tua is actually uh, doing judo training, so he's learning how to fall correctly, supposedly. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Be able to do something like that over your off season, I think that's a pretty cool. You know, I've heard of football players, big masculine guys doing gymnastics. You know, be balanced on your feet and light, and you know, being able to understand your body. And I think well, it's judo, like, I think it's like Emmett cool. Smith. Emmett Smith did ballerina. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I think uh, Tua doing judo. I mean, that's. That's that's really interesting. You know, I think, you know, um, you know, doing something like that, you know, I think he's got to take care of himself, you know, as long as he's doing it in a controlled environment. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that's interesting, you know, uh, being able to do something like that to learn how to fall. He has fall. He does fall pretty ugly. Uh, if you see him, he when he gets hit and he falls on his back, he always seems like he whiplashes his head to the ground. So it seems like uh, doing something like this would probably be pretty beneficial for him. Well, we were, we were over here talking about like the Dolphins and, and, and Tua and how Tua is in a must-win scenario. What about if you're a quarterback in the NFL, what's the roughest team to play for? Like in my mind, I know who it is, but I want to know what your opinion is. Like what are y'all's opinion what quarterback I, for the team gets scrutinized the most? I'm going to say the Browns. Honestly, I think I think being coming into I, I got to have a quarterback who's consistent first. Look, look, look. But the reason I say that is because yeah, being a quarterback in that environment, there I don't think there's a whole lot asked for you there. Um, but at the same time, I feel like you need to come in with a chip on your shoulder. You know, the Browns. I think they have a pretty you know, demoralizing fan base. I think that a lot of times they're like, oh, here we go, another year, another quarterback. Yeah. I feel like they're commonly hated in that environment. I mean, other than Baker Mayfield, I feel like they haven't really loved their quarterbacks um, a whole lot. And so I'm Deshaun Watson, maybe. Uh, the dude was signed to a record deal now, which kind of leads to the Lamar Jackson situation. But, um, you know, if, if, if Deshaun Watson doesn't live up to that contract, dude, What's going to happen? That's what I'm saying. I think right now Deshaun Watson has a lot on his plate. He hasn't played in a few years. You know, he's in going into you know the this you know for the Browns for Cleveland. If he doesn't perform, you know, I, I maybe if he was on like a you know a middle you know tier two tier three contract, you know, not asking a whole lot, come in and just light up the league. Yeah, there's not a whole lot, but with this type of contract, dude, you better be a solid play. I love yeah, you, Dalton, I mean, but you're wrong. You're wrong. I just – I know you're wrong. DJ, I know me and you have had this conversation before in the past, but I'm curious to see, like, who you think in your mind gets scrutinized the hardest in the NFL by the organization they play quarterback for. And I think there's only one correct answer Oh, here. I know where this is going. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, for sure. But I, I did want to talk to what Dalton had to say on uh, kind of the, the Browns, like – I don't think that necessarily the Browns, <laughs> I think that their fan base is just so aggravated with the yes. lack of quarterback play that 
I feel like it's almost just expected. You get drafted there and it's just like, well, you know, even Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was one of the most consistent quarterbacks there. I'm, and a long one time. one game away from the AFC championship game, by the way. Yes, a long time. And they time. ran him out of town. Yep. For for yes, for Deshaun Watson, who we were still unsure on if he was ever gonna still be able to play, and they traded for him. And I, I don't know, we don't know what was going inside of the building with Baker Mayfield, but that's gotta be aggravating as a as a Browns fan. So I think well, I think I, I think that's where I, yeah. Dalton was maybe going with that, but I think the nature of Nathan's question, it, I feel like it is an obvious choice, and that that is the Dallas Cowboys. I and Dakota Prescott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dak they Prescott just, is an absolute beast in this league. And I, I saw a stat the other day, and this is why I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to get y'all's reaction on this. I saw a stat the other day. First eight years in the NFL compared to Peyton Manning's first eight years in the NFL statistically Dak Prescott is the better quarterback. That is crazy. And this I mean, man, this man has been scrutinized, told to leave town, told that he sucked so that he could never win a Super Bowl for Dallas. He's not the guy. And then you see that stat line and you're telling me that Dallas Cowboys, it, it's the media in itself. They hate the Cowboys. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, and that's that's the that's kind of the territory you go with. I mean, with the Peyton Manning thing, it is interesting, but like there's a lot of factors that kind of play into that because like for me, obviously, when Peyton Manning's first 8 years compared to Dak Prescott's, those are two totally different NFLs. Like th- this has easily become a pass first league. So I feel like, you know, we'd probably be surprised with some other quarterbacks. Um nowadays. I, I, I would have to agree with that. But Dak and Zeke were drafted in the same class, and for the first three to four years of Dak's career, that was a run-first offense because that was when Zeke was running for a thousand yards plus. Yeah, no, I mean, I I get that, I get that, but I I think still with that, like, if we look at probably the first year of Peyton Manning and the first year of um, Dak Prescott, the probably pass attempts per game, Dak Prescott probably leads every single year. Although with Zeke they were kind of a, a run first offense. And that's why I think that they had a ton of success is because Dak also kind of relied a lot on his feet as well. I mean, he was, he's a good pocket passer and everything, but earlier on in his career, you would see him scramble all this pocket and get out of there, get out of town for sure. And something else for me is just kind of the way that, you know, early on in, in Peyton Manning's career, like we saw him being able to manage the game and that, that was kind of what gave him the longevity of his career. And we definitely see Dak Prescott start to take that on more and more. I thought even as a, as a young quarterback stepping in the way that he did with Romo getting hurt and then him having to come in, we're now starting to see him obviously later years on down the road that he is filling that role. But the Dallas Cowboys have always had this mindset of, I mean, it's, it's all or nothing every single year. It's, it's all or nothing, and there's nothing else in between, and that has to be so hard, and that's why I, I really do respect Dak Prescott so much for that because of the way that he's kind of stepped in and handled that whole situation because th- taking that job as the quarterback of America's team, if you have the label as, of America's team, I mean, that's already so much pressure, and now you're the quarterback. You are the face of the franchise. 
and you're having to step in and take that whole team over. Yeah, not to mention like you're drafted in the fourth round and you're supposed to be like a practice squad quarterback. Yeah, and then you come in and start week one. I mean, he wasn't even the second string quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, because it was Tony Romo that went down, and then I think that there was was it Kellen Moore. Kellen no, Moore. Was, no, 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 no. Dak did come in. No, no, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, is Dak didn't come in as the second string quarterback. No, he won the job over Kellen Moore. But didn't Kellen did Kellen Moore not also get hurt during that that time period? No, if if I'm not mistaken, when Romo got hurt in that Seattle game in the preseason, I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott came in and took over and ran the, ran the show. Yeah. I mean, regardless, either way of his upbringing, it was it was a pretty pretty insane and the way that he handled it. I mean. At the time, I didn't think Roma was on his way out of the Dallas Cowboys. And then we see him get hurt, and then the questions start to come up. And then we see the way that Dak Prescott plays in the preseason, and then the regular season, and then it's, oh, gosh, here we go. And now we got Romo calling games in the box. Yeah, well, and I, and I only bring that up because, you know, Dalton's talking about how, you know, you talk about the addition to Jalen Ramsey and the Dolphins and how they're like a win-now team. I think the Cowboys have been a win now team since their last Super Bowl, and and I just I think there's a lot of teams in the NFL who are win now football teams. They want to win right now, and I think that the Cowboys are one of them. The Dolphins are one of them. The Rams were one of them. And then they won, and now just look at them. They're, they're just atrocious roster. Yeah, I think you know, I, no, I think the Jets could be one of them now too. Like, well, I think there's a lot of teams that could be, you know, I think there's a lot of talent, a lot, a lot of teams. I think it, it's crazy because you got to have a lot of these pieces that have to come together. And not only that, but when you get to the postseason, and I think that's where the Cowboys are hurting. It's like right when they get to the postseason, it seems like every game at that point, because it's only, it's not best out of three. It's one game and it has to be perfect. And I don't know if they're just trying too hard, if they're trying too much, because I agree. The Dallas Cowboys are probably the most complete and the and, and one of the best teams in the NFL, um, top five at least, uh, they have the potential to win the Super Bowl every year, uh, just about it seems like. But it seems like as soon as they get to that first round, wild card of the first round, second round, it just seems like it, it something just happens. It just doesn't go their way, and it just seems like it just goes down from there. I well, think they, yeah. I think they're a good team. And another team that I think is another win now and another win now scenario is the Bears. Um, look what they did in free agency as well. Uh, trade the number one overall pick with the Panthers. Um, I think that I think what the Bears did in this case was great. I think uh, they are in a position now where they can definitely do some damage in their division. Um, and I don't think that this trade rumor is getting as much attention as it deserves. Uh, the Bears got an absolute steal in this trade deal. Um, they agreed to deal the number one pick of the 2023 NFL draft to the Carolina Panthers in return for star receiver DJ Moore and four draft picks. But here's the case for why I believe that this was an absolute steal for the Bears. DJ Moore is the only receiver to amass 1,200 yards in the last three years, despite playing with a new and checkdown driven quarterbacks in each of those seasons. Um, he also ranked fourth in the league in receiving yards behind Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Cooper Cup. Yet when you see a list of the top receivers, such as those players in the league, uh, his name is often left off this list. So I feel like the man is continually disrespected, but continues consistently produce year after year. And that is what the Bears are missing in the receiving game. I feel like they're just needing that consistency. Um, and now I know this team is a run first type of offense. Um, and I think they're going to stick true to that. But 
I think DJ Moore coming into that, I think this dude's a just a bona fide stud. Um, I feel like this could be another Ravens type of scenario where they re- rely on their game and, you know, um, will eventually, you know, throw to Duvernay. But I feel like this could be a DJ Moore salute, uh, type of scenario. But I, I feel like there's some ceiling. There's a there's high upside here. Um, I feel like the ceiling's pretty high because DJ Moore is that good to where I feel like they could build that offense around him and not just the running game. I feel like he's yeah. much better than the Duvernay situation there I, with I, the Ravens. I, I mean, I, I totally agree, but I don't think that we'll see them change too much from the run. I think that the Bears had far more issues um, outside of their offense, and you see them kind of address that uh, through free agency with getting two stud linebackers. Um, but I don't think – I just don't think for me that DJ Moore comes in and he puts up all of this – this huge stat line. A lot of people thought that with Chase Claypool and it's just, that wasn't the case. He came in, we saw high targets, not a lot of receptions. I think it was in his eight weeks there. He only had over 50 yards once, maybe twice through eight games with them. Sure. DJ Moore is absolutely a lot better receiver in my opinion over Chase Claypool, but they're just, for me, I don't see them really revamping that offense. I think that defenses now, they see what Justin Fields can do with his legs. And I think that they are going to have to make some sort of adjustment with that. Does that mean passing? Does that mean, you know, handing the rock off? You just saw them let go of uh, David Montgomery. So I don't know. There's there's definitely a high ceiling for DJ Moore. But I for me, I'm not, I'm not all in. I do and- like the trade. I don't know what they would have done at one. I, I do like that they traded back, and if you're going to get compensation, why not get DJ Moore thrown in there? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Chase Claypool being a number one wide receiver, and that man is not a number one wide receiver. And DJ he, Moore he, is, so he, I, yeah. Well, I yes, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now they were a run first offense because it worked, and for the first like I don't know ten weeks, who did uh. Justin Fields had to throw to Cole commit that passing game was just terrible. The only thing they could do was run the ball. And then when they figured out that Justin Fields is can run the ball in a, in a good offense, then they started, he ended up being like pretty close to the number one quarterback in fantasy football. Just cause the way it was, what he was doing with his legs. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't add think... an, you add a wide receiver like DJ Moore, and then you have chase Claypool as your number two with a, a decent tight end and Cole commit. And don't I think forget they have Darnell up. Mooney. They have Darnell Mooney too. They do have Darnell Mooney, who's fast as balls, fast up as and balls, stacking pennies, stacking pennies. And I think that man will. I think Justin Field. I think DJ Moore will go for over a thousand yards because he, who, who's throwing the ball in Carolina? I mean Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker. Well, I think they still go going for a thousand yards. I think and they're going to get that with the first overall pick, though. I think that's the whole point. But, yeah, I agree with you, Nathan. I do. Well, I mean, yeah, but you give up D.J. Moore for to get, to bring in a quarterback, essentially, for Carolina. And now the Bears get D.J. Moore, who have a quarterback. And we know that Justin Fields can sling the rock like he did in college. So Kim I think it's going to open up their uh, passing game. And I think they'll have a, a little bit more of a split attack. I think they'll be able to run the ball efficiently and throw the ball efficiently. I think that option's there. I agree with you, Nathan. I think that option's definitely there with DJ Moore. I think they're still going to lean in that run game, but like Nathan said, that option's there. Also, guys, let's not forget, though, that that, that, that 
free agency deal is not that's not just it for them you know they they also got a lot of picks there so if the dj Moore thing doesn't hold work out a whole lot they essentially with dj Moore, only slid back to the number nine overall pick you know they're still there in the top 10 picks so that's why i think this was still a great deal for chicago um they also got a second round selection in 2023 the number 61 overall, which is that. Um, they also got a first-round pick next year in 2024 and a second-round pick in 2025. So, you know, unlike Miami, they set their future, got a stud, and I think that the Bears are looking good. I think, dude, I, that's how the trade should be done. I think young quarterback, young receiver, bona fide, and built their future. I think that's how it's done. I think that's the difference between Miami and the Bears. Bears may not be as good as Miami this year, but they will in the future. No, I agree. And as a Packers fan, this this worries me to the uh, beyond. I, I I don't know how we recover, especially with obviously all of the stuff going on with us. But and I can sit here and talk about a whole nother episode with you know kind of all of the the moves that we're we're doing this this off season. But well, that's because that guy y'all had in Green Bay owned the city of Chicago. He also, he, I mean, he, yeah, but he also owned the Cowboys too. And don't forget that Nathan. So y'all better be happy too. Not, not as bad as he owned the own Chicago though. He owns more, <laughs> he owns more real estate in Chicago. I will say. Yeah. I mean, again, as a Packers fan, this really, it honestly worries me just because we kind of see everyone else in our division making additions, making tradings, free agency signings. And we're kind of just chilling back, waiting to see how this whole Rogers situation is. Because again, if we, if we look at the lions, we just saw the lions pluck off David Montgomery on a three year, $18 million contract. Now for me, I don't necessarily like that signing by the lions. And at first when I saw it, I said, Oh, okay, cool. You know, whatever, staying within the division, not a bad signing. I see it, you know, three years, 18 million. We're not making him like, you know, a top dog running back or anything like that. But for me, I'm kind of labeling this a bust because there's a lot of uncertainty and I felt like we left somebody else. They left somebody else out there on the table. So the uncertainty part of it, I don't necessarily like that, you know, he's coming in. I know there's a lot of hype behind David Montgomery, but he's coming in. He does not guarantee RB1 right now, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone else has said something differently, but he's got to compete with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a dude. And I think with Swift, and this is kind of leading into my second point, with Swift, he had a lot of his snaps taken away because there was another stud there, Jamal Williams. And... Jamal Williams, again, he's just a different type of player for me. And again, I kind of like, like I said, I like the David Montgomery signing when he first went there to the Lions. But then we saw Jamal Williams walk over to the Saints on a three-year, $12 million contract. So the same year, the same length, but Jamal Williams is on a cheaper deal. And it seemed like for me, whenever I watched the Lions game, the Lions offense, ran through Jamal Williams. That was his offense. Jared Goff, I understand he's the one back there at quarterback, but the energy and everybody else fed off of Jamal Williams. And we see him walk and sign a shorter contract. And that's people, not the most Lions move I've ever heard. I don't know what is. And that's what I'm saying. And not that David Montgomery's going to do bad, but it, it comes out and makes it seem as if like, oh, well, maybe they couldn't afford Jamal Williams. If we remember, he was the number one 
he ranked number one in rushing touchdowns scored. Number one. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, to, to to your point, like, how many of those rushing touchdowns? And I'm not I'm not taking credit away from him by any means because I mean, if you lead in the NFL in rushing touchdowns, you're obviously a dog. But how many of those came when Swift was hurt? I mean, we're talking about DeAndre Swift, who won the starting job over Jamal Williams when the season started because DeAndre Swift is a bigger dog. Yeah. I mean, this man got hurt. So, in my opinion, I don't think Jamal Williams leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns if DeAndre Swift plays the whole year. See, I don't know because if you watch them, it was, it it seemed, it just, it seemed like Jamal Williams was a Dan Campbell type of running back, someone that's going to, stick his nose in there and he's going to go full throttle every what? single play. So was Deandre Swift. I mean, look yeah. how much he ran the rock at the beginning of the season. He ran the ball a lot. I know, but if you watch it and that's what I'm saying, like no matter whenever they got within the 10, even the red zone, I mean, red zone 20, like the deep red zone, like sure. But whenever, especially they got inside the 10, inside the five, Deandre Swift never really saw the field. It was Jamal Williams and they'd hand that dude the wall, the rock three times in a row until he, he banged it in there. So I totally agree. I totally agree. How many of those, and we saw DeAndre Swift was out for a period of time, and how many of those are going to be taken away? I don't really know because it didn't matter. Almost it seemed like every single time they got within the red zone, DeAndre Swift wasn't even a part of the conversation at all. Never. Never was. Well, and see, here's the here to add on to what DJ's saying, because I agree with, actually, I agree with what both of you just said. Um, but to kind of add on what DJ was saying, um, I think that Jamal Williams, you know, He's a very red zone dependent running back, a uh, very Dan Campbell running back at that. Uh, if he's running, you know, from the his own 25-yard line, he's going to run it between the guards, and he's going to run it hard, right? It doesn't matter if he's at the red zone or not. But I feel like his type, his type, his style of running doesn't really benefit him unless he's within the red zone to me. That's just from what I see. Um, and I feel like, honestly, he's going to be the same type of running back for the same. That's when he needed to part. count, though, was when you're right, in the red right. zone. That's when he needed that, to count. That's right, but I don't think if he's a bell cow running back where I'm getting at, like, you know, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, those type of running backs, I feel like he's not going to have those type of touchdowns um, as high. He's not going to have as many just because I don't think he's that type of running back that's going to move the chains and take your team all the way down the field, you know, um, unless he has a good quarterback. But I think he has to be in the red zone to score. That's just his type of style. Yeah, and I mean, if you think, he, like I said, he's going to the Saints. If we're still talking about Jamal Williams here, he's going to the Saints. The Saints, and they have a RB one, a proven Alvin Kamara, right? Alvin Kamara. So, but what I'm saying is, is and to say that with Alvin Kamara, I can see Alvin Kamara running 15 carries for 80 something yards a game, but I can see also Jamal Williams running six times for 25 yards with five touchdowns. Yeah, and we saw that a lot with the Lions this year. Right, but so that that's, that's what I'm saying. He's very he's very red Al- zone dependent. Alvin Kamara is your is your like receiving back, and he will also run between the tackles. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, the I'm Lions if- just making some just weird moves. But to the point, though, is that the GM thinking that they can't afford Jamal Williams because is he going to throw that stat line in the Lions' face and say, "Pay me more money"? Well, look at the contract and he took. Took the, the chance and just let him walk. Because I don't know about y'all, I respect the hell out of Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell, the way he coaches, and like it is not, it is hard yep. to not watch what he does and what, like when you watch his post game interviews and stuff. 
to not respect that man. I that mean, dude is a straight personality on the field. Yes, I he makes love the lines Dan fun. Campbell. I love yeah. Dan Campbell. I respect the hell out of that man. Love that dude. But I just I, the Saints are going to have a solid one-two punch, in my opinion, with Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams, and uh, neither one of them are going to be asked to carry the load one hundred percent, and that's why they're going to be good with now addition to Derek Carr. And they're going to be pretty good, in my opinion. And um, they'll win that division for sure, because that division is just a joke. Oh, the NFC, yeah, the NFC South. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I mean, at this point in time, just kind of going through everything in my head, um, I, I don't know. I think that the Saints are the best for sure. We saw we saw the Falcons make a move, right? They got they got a safety. Just okay. a quick, just a quick off topic here. I was thinking about it because you said that this. you said the NFC okay. South. It is. You said the NFC South, and I was thinking like, why the fuck are the Cowboys in the NFC East? Honestly, I don't even know. Like, wouldn't you think Carolina would be in the NFC East, and then you put the Cowboys in the NFC South? How the fuck geographically? How does that work? It might have been timing. One team might have come into existence before the other. And oh, that's just... true. Kind of like if they did like the Houston Texans or, or no, I don't. Houston just changed their name. They didn't move locations, but it was like, no, I, I guess no. like Indianapolis Houston joined in like 2002 or 2001. Well, yeah, but if like Indianapolis Colts, they used to be the Baltimore Colts or yeah. or not the Baltimore. They, I think, I think the Baltimore Ravens used to be the, in, they used Baltimore to be the Cleveland Colts. Browns it used to be the Cleveland Browns. So yeah, it had to have been some some sort of situation like that where that's, they, that's they what transitioned. Yeah, and I, I thought the Browns originally good. moved to Baltimore, and that were then became the Baltimore Ravens, and then they brought the Browns back, and the Ravens stayed. Enough enough talking about the geographical points on on um, the NFL here, but uh, Dalton, do you have any uh, people oh, that that you're interested in that get caught your eye in free agency or trades? With the in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons, um, you know, one guy that really stood out to me as a boom in my eyes is Jesse Bates. Uh, the guy was signed for a four-year, sixty-four million dollar contract with the Atlanta Falcons, making him the fourth highest-paid safety in the league. Um, you know, c- according to PFF, that currently puts Jesse Bates ranked as the number four safety ahead of Justin Simmons. Um, so, I mean, I, and my, I thought Justin Simmons was the number one guy in the league. Yeah, and, that dude you know, is that dude is an absolute beast. Before but, you move on, Justin Simmons is a stud. I know, and so when when I'm looking at PFF and I'm like, wow, like you're saying, you're telling me that Jesse Bates is at number four ahead of uh, Justin Simmons at five. Like, wow. So um, th- I believe that this was a great move by the Falcons. Um, I believe Jesse Bates will be put in a position to be uh, the centerpiece to a restocked Falcons defense that currently ranks 28th. Um, I love this trade because I think Bates has been one of the best, if not the best safeties in the league for the last three years running. Um, he had a career high four interceptions this past season. Uh, he's topped 100 tackles in three of the past five seasons in the NFL. I mean, that's an awesome stat to have as a safety. Dude's coming down. He's do do you think? It. Do you think this this addition to the Falcons secondary is because the Saints went out and got Derek Carr? Like you're, we're talking about a division that is not quarterback heavy at all by any means. I mean, quarterbacks in that division right now are are terrible outside of Derek Carr. So, do you think that? Right. Do you think that that plays a factor in it? Do you think that that uh, plays a factor? Like the Saints to sign Derek Carr. 
Yeah, no, Nathan, I that's a great question. Honestly, um, I mean, look at what's going on over in the AFC West. I mean, with uh, the Kansas City and the Chargers and the Broncos. I mean, I think that there are some great quarterbacks over there in that division. You got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You got Russell Wilson. I give him another year. I don't know. I think there's some good talent, but when you bring some guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert into the NFL, look with the secondary over there. The secondary and the defenses in the AFC West, they're star studded. They're everywhere. I mean, you got Joey Bosa, and you've got um, you've got all these great defensive ends and defensive linemen, and you've got these fast, you know, defenses, they're playmakers all over the field. Um, I just think that there's, I think that when you bring a good quarterback into a division, I think it's also going to bring good defensive play. I think that's exactly what happened here with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, bringing in Jesse Bates, um, paying him top dollar to come in and be a plug and play type of dude. Um, I think that it, it, this was a great signing. I think that there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of cause and effect to this. So, um, you know, although, you know, although his tackles last year were a career low by 17, um, I think he still made up through, uh, through the air. Like I said, with the career high four interceptions, I think he, he's a great guy. I think he does great. He's great with his hands. He's great with his feet, his vision, um, you know, his playmaking ability, what he sees in the field. I, I, I think this was, this was huge for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and for the past few years, the Falcons defense has been in great need of a big time playmaker on the defensive side of the ball too. So um, they're currently ranked 28th in defensive rankings uh, by the PFF. The Falcons could use a lot of help at almost every defensive position anyway. Um, but outside of AJ Terrell at the cornerback position, I really don't see any help in the secondary at all. Uh, so I think that the Jesse Bates signing was huge and a great piece to build this, this uh, defense around, you know, so a lot of questions on offense, but yes, sign in uh, Derek Carr over with the saints. I, I think this was a necessary piece. Yeah, I know. I mean, you saw two different kind of strategies there in the NFC South. Like, obviously, we just talked about the Saints, you know, kind of going offensive heavy with Derek Carr and then the uh, Jamal Williams. I mean, not that Jamal Williams is, you know, an absolute stud, but you saw that obviously they prioritize kind of adding on to the offense there. But then, like we're saying, with the Falcons, they're they're going defense heavy. Uh, with Jesse Bates so and I know that they've made some other um, acquisitions kind of along the way and they've mostly been just uh, defensive based so I'm interested to see because like you're saying 28th ranked overall defense that was obviously a glaring need and I think that Jesse Bates does come in and, and makes that defense a whole lot better still need a lot of pieces I don't think they're a win now team I think they're definitely in the growth uh, rebuilding stage, but I think it was a great start for them to build around. So talking about the AFC West a minute ago, Nathan, um, so what do you, do you see anything over there that you're thinking about? You know, I brought up Russell Wilson, you know, I only talked about Patrick Mahomes and, uh, what's going on with, um, you know, Justin Herbert and them two quarterbacks. But, uh, do you, do you see anything with the Broncos that could help Russell Wilson this next year? Absolutely not. That man is terrible. Get your pits forks, your flamethrowers, whatever. Run that man out of town. <laughs> I mean, that to pay him the amount of money that they paid him without seeing him play a down in a Broncos uniform. So, so just so y'all know real ridiculous. quick, um, I did make fun of the NFC East with Nathan, and I gave him a bump spike serve or bump spike hit. What do you call it? You, yeah, you got it. That's um, bump, bump. No, I don't even think you got it. It's a, a bump set hit. All right, here it goes. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, my wife coaches volleyball, and I don't even know. So, I mean, whatever. Somebody can comment and let us know exactly what it is. 
Look, I'm gonna oh, do some research. I'm gonna do some research for it before I go to bed. But just so you know, I, I allowed him to serve that right into my face because I am a diehard Broncos fan. So they are, I set him up for that. They are trashed, and he had no sympathy for my ass. No, I did not. But, I think I think they're adding key players. Um, I think they're adding key players, but they're paying them too much money, in my opinion. Look at Mike McGlitchy, right? Yeah, they have given up a crap ton of money to a mediocre offensive lineman to a mediocre offensive line. We're talking about this. This man was a first round draft pick by the 49ers a couple years ago. And we're talking about a good 49ers team. And obviously they were, they didn't see that, that value in them. So they let them walk. And then you bring him in to Denver paying that much money. I think he's a good, Offensive lineman, but he's compared to like a Zach Martin who deserves that amount of money. I and and like a Jason Kelsey outside of those two guys, I don't really think that he's worth it. I think I think he's a bust in my opinion, just because the amount of money that they're paying him and the fact that he's a mediocre offensive lineman in the NFL. Not not he's not a top dog offensive lineman. And then ah, I forget his name. The other offensive lineman they signed, Ben Powers. Yes, Ben Powers. They gave up a lot of money to get him too. I mean, they're both offense like decent offensive linemen, but they're not like top dog offensive linemen. I think that uh, Walton Penner group, uh, the new owners, I think they're starting to flex a little bit of the muscles over there, and hopefully they know what they're doing. They're business people, but we'll see. I mean, they it, it for, in my opinion for the Broncos, it was a move that had to be made. We saw that the like, Broncos were the most. They allowed the most sacks within the NFL. They had to make a move. There's not a lot of free agent tackles out there. Mike McGlinchey was one of them. Mike McGlinchey is, like Nathan said, highly mediocre. He is not great, but at the same time, he is not bad. He wasn't paid a top, I don't even think he's top 10 in tackle salaries within the NFL. So I think that the the pay is, is fair. It may be a little high, but it was something that they had to lock in. They couldn't just let Mike McGlinchey be available and just walk away. Because if that would have happened, we'd have seen similar issues later on. So let, I, let, hey, let, just let the Walton stick to uh, selling groceries instead of trying to make football teams. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But if we look at Mike McGlinchey, like I know we've we've referenced uh, PFF quite a bit. Um, if we look at Mike McGlinchey, he's had five years in the league. And per his PFF grade, he's never had below a 69 season, which is pretty good. That's not bad, but he's also never logged an 80 plus season. So that's also not great. So he is in that 70 range, which is a highly mediocre tackle. Because if we look at some of the other tackles this past season, I think we had two, maybe three tackles ranked in the 90s. And he's never logged an 80 out of the five years. And he was a top 10 draft pick whenever he was drafted. So there was a high ceiling for him. And he's never quite hit that. So Sean Payton saw issues. He said, hey, I'm taking over this team as the head coach. And we've allowed the most sacks in the league in the last year. And we just paid Russell Wilson all this money. God forbid this dude comes in on my watch and gets hurt. So I, I respect the moves. I like I like the offensive line signings. Now, is that going to make them be that much better? I do not know. You you like all. it, but you don't like the money that's involved hey, in hey, it. 
Hey, but let, let me let you know this. Last time I checked, I think Walmart sells flour, butter, eggs, and I think uh, Mike McGlinchey and Empower is going to whip up some pancakes. But hey, but <laughs> le- but <laughs> but I here's later what I, I agree with you guys. I think twenty I think bucks free- he gives up his first sack, opening day. <laughs> Day one sack. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to go ahead and agree with you guys. Though I think that this free agency signing can be seen as highly questionable, very risky for the Broncos. Um, I think that McGlinchey is solid at the position, like DJ said, but Denver is paying him to be a plug and play stud. I think because of his uh, his consistency and his potential high ceiling, I think that made him very marketable to Denver uh, because well, they're. Well, des- you say potential. I mean, what's the potential? He's already been in the league for what? How many years now? Four, five. five? Yeah. Well, what he's coming off his rookie contract, but I mean, it's a new environment, you know. So I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but you know, I think that Denver is just desperate. You know, at this point, like Dia saying, you gave up the most sacks in the NFL last year. You know, when you have Mike McGlinchey coming from the the 49ers, and then you make a good guard sign with Ben Powers. I mean, they're not great. I think they're good. I think that uh, they were remarkable Denver. They jumped on it um, based on the embarrassment they felt from last year. I think that this is something they needed. Um, Look, I believe that. I don't. I don't. Everyone's out here talking about Denver, and they're saying like, I saw a thing on the other day. It was like saying this guy does like predictions of the NFL, and he's predicting that the Broncos will win the AFC. No, like, or their division, or the AFC. Well, because he said the division. One, I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, he well, he yeah, said he said that he he said their division and the AFC. But we're we're talking about a Broncos team where their quarterback is doing high knees on the plane going to a game, and not to mention this is kind of a reboot year for Russell Wilson. Is it like? He's going into year two, but it's not really year two. He has to win the team back because he was like Broncos country, let's ride. And all of Broncos country hopped off the ride after about game three. So (laughs) this man has to win over the whole team and the fan base again because there was a couple of games where I watched where the the defense is walking off the field and they're like, let's go, let's go. You know, Russell Wilson's like, let's go, we got this. And like one of his players literally said, shut the hell up. He goes, Look, you, you're not doing anything. And he's like, that, that team is ran on their defense and they have the offensive weapons to be great. But Russell Wilson is looking terrible in Broncos uniform. I mean, if, if Russell Wilson's able to f- like figure it out, I think that that Broncos team could be good. I don't think that they're the top dog in the AFC or even in the the AFC West. Because, well, he's got you know, he's got to win the whole team over again, again. Yeah. And I mean, not to say that that won't happen because obviously a losing environment it's gonna it's gonna f- spoil everybody. Right. But the second but, that you go on a, a three game win streak, he, he could win over that locker room just by that. Right. Absolutely. And 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 I wouldn't put the entire thing on his, Russell Wilson's back. You know, having the most sacks in the NFL. I mean, maybe if they gave up somewhere in the middle, you know, just the average amount of sacks for the season. I, I'm like Russell, what you doing, bro? But when you've given up the most amount of sacks on that offensive line, I can't put everything on Russell Wilson. The dude is, you know, scatterbrained. He's all over the place. You know, maybe the it was the protection. You know, but we put a lot of heat on those quarterbacks. You know. Like just how we started this podcast, you know, when I brought up Deshaun Watson and, you know, we brought up Dak Prescott, you know, we put a lot of pressure on these quarterbacks. Um, But yeah, I agree. I agree, Nathan. Russell Wilson has to win this this locker room back. 
we I don't think it's only us. I think the teams put a lot of pressure on these quarterbacks. And so, but here's what I'm seeing with Sean Payton. I, believe I mean, they, you say that like the teams put the pressure on the quarterbacks, but they didn't really put the pressure on Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson just didn't really perform. I mean, they allowed the pressure on him. Well, yeah, they allowed the pressure on him because of the amount of money they gave him. And like, they were like, Russell Wilson was coming in there saying like, we're going to win. Like it's going to happen. But what you're, you're telling you're, you're telling everybody like, hey, like I mean, look at the weapons he had. That's that that offense is set up to be yeah. a damn good offense. And then yeah. Russell Wilson just crapped the bed. I mean, well, I, I think I his focus was elsewhere. Well, the weapons are there. You're right, but offensive line wise, I don't think the weapons are there at that at those positions. You know, Nick, uh, a senior analyst with the uh, look, what Joe, look what Joe Burrow did with a with a shifty offensive line. Went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I don't know where they're at with how many sacks they gave up, though. Either you know, it was I, pretty. They were they were right there. I mean, they, up they there, up buddy. Up there. Well, let me let me talk about this with the senior analyst with the Mile High, with the Mile High Huddle with Nick uh, Kendall's his name. I was came across his article and he was talking about how scarce the OTs are how there's not very many offensive tackles um he was saying that there's not very many 310 to 350 pounds six foot four freaks to choose from in this market right so it's not like you have all these wide receivers that are all averaging 180 to 195 pounds right that can catch a football run a route tree you know now there's some that far in between that set themselves apart but when it comes to offensive tackles and being on the line in general on either side of the ball, you don't see too many freaks out there, right? You only have so many to choose from. So not only that, but do they have to be freaks in nature, but they also have to be athletes with the to be worth a damn with the right technique, athleticism, and health to be that. I mean, that's the most damaging. That's the freaking trenches, right? So I think that this trade, I, I mean, I think that with Russell Wilson in these in, in these signings, I think it will only tell time if it was the right move for Denver. I just think that when you have a small quarterback, like what Sean Payton's doing with Drew Brees, and then with Russell Wilson, it's important to have good linemen. They may not be great, but to have somebody there, not as embarrassing as last year, that's going to keep them off their laps so they can make an impact I'm not I'm not were... saying the addition of Ben Powers and Mike McGlitchy was a terrible move. I'm saying the amount of money that they had to give to them was right, was but a I mean I think that's excessive. what I think that's what Dalton's speaking to. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think that's what Dalton's speaking about is like and that that's where I stand. Like, yes, I think it is I think they, they definitely overpaid, but what else are you supposed to do? You're supposed to just rock with what you had last Draft year them. and you got to draft them. Look, go look at all Broncos the best have, offensive. Broncos, Broncos have other needs. They have, oh, I, so they I, have other needs. I get needs. that. I get that. But if you're saying your offensive line, like your offensive line away from being great, draft them. Because if you go back and you look at the best offensive linemen in the NFL right now, they were all drafted by the same team that they're playing for. Right. right now. But like then Tyron then Smith, also- Zach Martin, Jason Kelsey, Quentin Nelson, like all those guys were drafted. Right. But as, so was Mike McGlinchey. Yes, he, my, but he was drafted 10. by the 49ers. That's what I'm but, saying. But that's 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 the risk you take. Like I for me, if I'm the Broncos, I take the mediocrity. I I take that and I buy that time. If I want to use a late if I even wanted to trade back into the first round, and then I get somebody that I can build that's not gonna come in and be a day one starter. He can sit for a year 
and then we can maybe look at moving on for Mike McGlinchey. But if I'm the Broncos, I, I do exactly what they just did. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm like, hey, I need to go ahead and address this right now because they probably need another piece. I, I, I suspect they're probably going to go with the defensive a defensive pick. They have the. I don't see them going defensive back because they have the young quarterback uh, Patrick Sartan, and then we talked about Simmons earlier. So maybe they look at a linebacker or a D lineman. They met the needs barely. I mean, with with this Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey at the O line, their wide receiving core is looking good. So their quarterback, they're already set. I don't see them going a running back. They have Javante Williams. So they're going to go defense. They had a lot of needs. Yeah. Well, they, line, there, there has been there has been talk today about a possible trade for Cortland Sutton. No, I no, saw that. No, Sean Payton, Sean came out, Payton shut it down. Yeah, Sean Payton can't shut it down. He says I'm just just happen. just trying to stir the pot here for Dalton. Yeah, that's all dude, no. <laughs> Moving on, I whenever I first saw those those head head uh, headlines broke, I was like, "There's no way." And also, as a Packers fan, I'm like, uh, can we please be on the phones to Denver? Really hey, and quick? Get, an, get another deep threat too, Marquise Callaway. I, dude, I, I think Russell Wilson, offensive line. If you don't perform, Nathan, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on the band. I'm getting out of this bandwagon. I'm getting in your wagon. I, I can't stick with Russell Wilson if we beef up that offensive line, and he still performs the same way he did. I, 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 I can't ride with him. Can't do it. So, I, I, Nathan, after give me one more year, I'll be with you, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, make, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one more year. I just think the amount of money that they've thrown at those three players is ridiculous. Hey, but also talking about some sticking in the division, also talking about a quarterback that is under some heat and maybe a little bit of a different type of heat. Um, so, like I said earlier, earlier in this episode, I don't know if y'all have heard this. So I'm kind of hoping y'all did it, but we saw Jimmy G signed a free agency deal to join the Las Vegas Raiders. Now there were some, there, there were some residents of the, the Las Vegas uh, community that kind of hey, spoke have, out on this. We have a drumline beat we can do before DJ says what happened to Jimmy Garoppolo. Bree sex. That ow, is what, ow. That is you're telling me you're telling me that this man is getting paid in hookers. Hookers and his salary. There was a local brothel that saw the report that he was there. They called him an absolute babe looking. He was looks like a babe. And they said because of that signing, Jimmy G will have free sex for life. Can we go ahead can we go ahead and ask Derek Carr how he feels about this? Oh, well, first off, Derek, Derek Carr was married with kids, but this this brings me back to the Carmelo Anthony. Brothels don't was, care. This brings me back to Carmelo Anthony when he was going to the Knicks. When like when he was the Knicks were trying to re-sign Carmelo, and he was like wanting to leave the New York Knicks, and the owner was like, "Bro, I'll give you free lap dances and then all the strippers you want to stay with the New York Knicks," and he took it. Like, what is the sports world coming to now? Jimmy G is going to go be the quarterback in Las Vegas, and when he's done throwing touchdowns on Sunday, he's going to go back there Sunday night to the brothel and touch down some other landing strips. <laughs> I mean, good. I mean, for me, like you almost expected. I think a lot of people did when they saw like a team move to uh, Las Vegas. I mean, I don't obviously we don't like to put that that label on certain cities, but you know. At the same time, it is Vegas. not surprised. When, when you think about Vegas, you think about the strip casinos, 
and prostitution. Not the Raiders. Things. Yeah, not the Raiders. <laughs> now, now maybe the Raiders because your your starting quarterback can just go sleep with any hooker in the city that he wants to for free. I can't imagine. Devontae Adams is probably just like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? I came here to play with my old college teammate and Derek Carr sent that dude out of town. Now we got another guy that we just signed here to a three-year contract who's getting laid probably before and after every game. I think Devontae Adams is going to spend a couple of dark off-seasons just like uh, Aaron Rodgers did to figure out his identity. (laughs) Yeah, he's going the next dark retreat. The dark retreat <laughs> for sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to be. Or not Aaron Rodgers. It. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be doing a lot more than throwing touchdowns. He's going to be but, catching some stuff there in Vegas, too. That's right. But you know what, Jimmy G? Proud of you. But guess what? Unfortunately, you were my bus, my man. So, guys, Jimmy Garoppolo was signed to the Raiders on a three year, $67.5 million, $34 million guaranteed. Proud of you, brother. That's awesome. But. I really think that Jimmy G is an above-par quarterback in the NFL. I, I think he can perform on any given basis and be relied upon in big games. He's showing that, going, making it to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. He's shown big wins before, right? Um, but he's coming into an organization with the Raiders unlike any of the two organizations prior. That's in New England and San Fran. Now, granted, he didn't play a whole lot in New England, but when he did, he was under some masterminds. He uh, he had totally the – yeah, he played under some of the – um, most prolific, yeah, masterminds in the NFL under Belichick and Stranahan, along with some of the NFL's most talented offensive weapons to go with that. Uh, in comparison to what the Raiders have to offer, though, despite Devontae Adams, like was, was, as we were talking about, uh, into regards what Jimmy G had in New England and San Fran as a unit in both those teams, it just seems a little upsetting to me to what the Raiders have to offer. Um, so what what do you guys think about that? I, I think Daniels it was a, trash. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I, it was a for it was an ego move by him, in my opinion. He wanted to prove it from his time in New England. Whenever they got Jimmy G there, I, I believe it was McDaniel's whole plan was to to kind of push Tom Brady on the way out and move Jimmy G into that role. And now he's had the opportunity now with the Raiders to where that spot was available. They moved on from Derek Carr, and I now that I'm looking at it, it almost seems as if. McDaniels knew from the jump that car, this is your one year with me and you're out because Jimmy G I'm going to make a hard push to get Jimmy G here. I feel like, I feel like that I was, agree. that that was, it. that was his whole move from the, from the get go with all of this was I'm going to get my quarterback that I drafted and we're going to go through. Like, that's what we see with the Packers. Oh, the Packers no, I, when I we agree. have well, with Mike Gutekunst coming in for the Packers, it's oh, always, coot, it's coot. always <laughs> that's always what happens whenever you know a, a new coach or a new GM comes in is one of the very first moves that they make if they don't already have a franchise quarterback, which typically if they're going under new management, they probably don't have a franchise quarterback. So then that's what they do is they always get a, a new quarterback. So then we're seeing Rodgers kind of being pushed out the door and Jordan Love coming in. Gutekunst wants to prove that that's his guy. He wants to prove that that was the right move. Why would you spend a first-round pick and never play him? His rookie contract ends, and then what are we doing? So I think that, that that's kind of the, the approach that McDaniels was taking. Like He sees that opportunity, and he's like, I'm going to take it. This is my dude. I'm going to take it. Now, well, and, and, I mean, and to kind of go off of that, I mean, based on what we've seen with the Raiders um, and what we've seen from a TV perspective, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so I'm not going to speak to that. But 
They it's treated like, Derek Carr like trash. I mean, that's, well, right. it's easy to say that. This man literally gave everything for that organization. He played a playoff game with a broken back. Right. So what I'm saying is, is like, do you think that the relationship between McDaniels and Derek Carr, obviously it seemed like it was pretty rocky from the start. Do you think bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of given that familiarity and is going to kind of listen and do what, you know, McDaniels is wanting? Like, how do you think this relationship is going to be? You think this is kind of just allowing them to kind of bring that bond back to his quarterback that he didn't have with Derek Carr? I, th- I think it goes back to what DJ said to where as soon as he took this head coaching job, it was, I'll have you for one year, Derek Carr, and then I'm bringing in the guy that I want to be the franchise guy, and that just happens to be Jimmy G. I mean, Jim, you said like, Jimmy G did play under Kyle Shanahan, and any quarterback can work in that offense. I think we saw that this past year. So I think this will be the actual real test of how good Jimmy Garoppolo is. But at the same time, like, this is not the first time Mike McDaniel has been a head coach in the NFL. And the last time he was, it did not go so well for that man. With the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And the, well, I mean, good let's Lord. Ride. Denver had us. Yeah, let's ride, right? Yeah, come on now. I don't know. I don't know. I just think the whole – I just don't understand what Mike McDaniels is doing at all with that organization. When you, you, you get rid of Derek Carr and – when you look at the Raiders, you think of somebody who's going to put it all out on the line with the, cause they got the black hole. They got the crazy fans. And you, you think of a Raiders like franchise player. You think of Derek Carr, like gave everything to the organization. Even when they were treating him bad, like that man was like born to be an Oakland Raider and the, a Las Vegas Raider. And they have just treated him terribly. But now I'm I mean, sitting, go ahead. I'm just sitting here looking at all the stuff Mike McDaniel's doing, getting rid of Derek Carr, getting rid of Darren Waller. I mean, come on. No, and that's a, that's another move that I don't I don't understand at all is the the Darren Waller move. So I mean, obviously you knew that some people were going to have to move on, and we were you know you you kind of suspected that Derek Carr was on his way out, and you were going to have to bring a new quarterback. But then, like you said, we see them kind of trade Darren Waller out of town. I don't get that. But with well, Especially that, if you go back and you look at, like, the start when Jimmy Garoppolo started. Like, who was his favorite person to throw to? It was the tight end and George Kittle. And then now you're going to get rid of Darren Waller, who, like, your tight end needs, like, obviously he likes throwing to the tight end. And now that looks terrible because – Sadly, Foster Monroe has now stepped away from the team because he has cancer. Oh. So, literally, the guy that you got rid of and then your number two guy is supposed to step up, be your number one guy now, is now stepped away from football because he has cancer. So, now trading away Darren Waller is like, oh, no, what did we just do? Because now we just lost two tight ends. Yeah, but now what I saw with this also is it, it may not have been in the Raiders' hands. It's just kind of a controversial thing, and it, it some people say it's a reach. And whenever I was kind of reading an article on it, some people say it was a reach. But I'll, I'll go over it, and I kind of want to know y'all's opinion on this. So people are saying that Darren Waller may have forced his way out of the Las Vegas Raiders. So 
Derek Carr earlier this season said that he was frustrated with some players not showing the the most effort during practices and games, and he was very frustrated by that. This is the first time in Darren Waller's career that he's had kind of a long-term injury, and he missed a couple games this season. Hasn't happened to him throughout his entire career. So there's some speculation that maybe Darren Waller was one of those players that Derek Carr was talking about. He never came out and said that Darren Waller was, but you you, you kind of tend to think that. But now there was this outside physician. His name is Dr. David Chow. And to most people on social media, he is known as the pro football doc. So he has some credibility. He used to serve as a um, team trainer for the San Diego Chargers. He served for them for 13 years. So he came out and on social media, and he was saying that, and again, all of this, sorry, I didn't say this, but all of this was uh, based off of RaidersNation.net or something like that. But this guy, Dr. David Chow, came out, said that Darren Waller, his injury looks a little skeptical. It looks as almost as if he was faking it, kind of milking it, and you know, just trying to let the season go on because he knew he was going to kind of force his way out after the season. But now... This doctor that made this allegation about Darren Waller, like I said, he worked 13 years as a trainer for the San Diego Chargers. During his 13 years there, he had uh, nearly... Not credible. Yeah. I mean, he had nearly a dozen to two dozen um, sues. People are trying to sue him for malpractice. So obviously he wasn't the best physician. And now he's out here making these claims. So for me, it's like, I don't know whether to think if Darren Waller actually forced his way out. Was was Derek Carr actually, whenever he, he spoke out about these players not giving their full effort, and then Darren Waller so happens to get injured and then misses time, a, a increased amount of time, a lengthy amount of time for his injury. So it's like, was Darren Waller actually, you know, kind of milking this injury or was the, the doctor just making all of this up. I don't, I don't know. I think, I mean, we're, we're talking about Darren Waller, who the Raiders organization saved his career. He had a, he had a drug problem and uh, that's why him and Max Crosby are really close because Darren Waller took Max Crosby underneath his wing. and was kind of like his uh, mentor and they, he helped Max Crosby get sober. So, I don't really think that Darren Waller really wanted to leave the Raiders necessarily. I don't think he's buying into Mike Mike McDaniel. No, and I go ahead, Dalton. So I think where I'm at is you know I think he can respect jo- Josh McDaniel. My bad, Josh McDaniel. Right. So I think that he can you know re- respect the organization, but he doesn't owe the organization anything, right? I think you got to remember that this is a business world. It's dog eat dog out there, right? Um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that there is a lot of uncertainty there. You know, you're talking about Dr. Chow and his credibility is being questioned. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. You know, we can sit here and Monday morning quarterback everything, right, and talk about what we see and, you know, and but, you know, with Darren Waller, you know, I, I think if he had a lot of injury prones and, was, you know, which he, you know, he was injured, but, you know, I feel like if his injuries were very questionable, I don't know if the Giants would have signed him to a three-year $51 million contract. You know, it's a lot of money. So I think that the Giants. Oh, yeah. He's definitely proven Giants, that he yeah. belongs. He definitely he, proven that he belongs. 
Right. He's definitely a top five tight end, I think, this year in fantasy and just in the league in general and overall play. I think that, you know, I, I think it, it, it's kind of unfortunate for the Raiders to lose the quarterback. You know, if Derek Carr was referring to Darren Waller, to kind of lose Derek Carr and Darren Waller, you know, usually in those scenarios, you kind of hope that if you lost one, you kept the other. But um, And the backup tight end. Yeah. yeah, and the backup tight end, unfortunately, it, and we hate to hear that. And um, you know, prayers out to him. But you know, it's just with with everything going on, you know, Darren Waller. You know, I think that at the end of the day, it's a businessman. You know, got, you got to do what you got to do. If you're not happy, go be happy. That's yeah, not, I mean, not even, not to mention they they let him know the day he got married, like literally walking back down the aisle <laughs> after he got married, and they're like, hey, by the way, you just got traded to the Giants. Yeah, and I mean, he even came out and said, like, with all of this, and like, what I—that's I, I, why I wanted to bring it up was kind of to see what y'all said because if I had to pick a side, I'm picking Darren Waller's side day, yeah. day in and day out. Yeah. I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna pick Stud. some. I'm not gonna pick. Well, it, regardless of how he even plays, I just the way he carries himself, like for me, he's just that type of dude. Like on and off the field, he is that type of dude, and I, I, it's hard for me to try to reason with a doctor. Again, this dude isn't even in the clubhouse. He is on social media making these accusations, but again, he has that status as pro football doc, so it carries a lot of weight. So then, should people... I can be the pro football doc? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's what I'm saying. So, like with the whole situation, you know, I, I I do agree with Darren Waller. He even came out, I think, the week that he was traded and said that the, the trade completely threw him off guard. He had no idea that that was going to happen, and he was totally blindsided by the trade and all. To my point, exactly. That's what I was saying. Like, I didn't think he wanted to leave the Raiders, but I think on the inside, like, I don't think that a lot of people on the Raiders are buying into Josh McDaniel's system. But, I mean, enough about the Raiders, though. What an addition for the Giants. Yes. No, dude, honestly. And they gave away a third-round pick, a hundredth overall, a third-round pick for Darren Waller. I, I, they needed, They needed a tight end. They got a top five tight end. Oh, easily. of course he may he yeah. may he may even jump to the number one tight end this year because honestly, their wide receiver room is not as good as people think they are. They had they were great in the playoffs. I you know what I mean. But I mean, you add a guy like Darren Waller to that passing game, and the passing game showed that it can be effective with people from the practice squad. So. You add Darren Waller to the tight end there. I think Darren Waller could be a number one, or if not number two, tight end in fantasy football this year. Yeah, I was actually. I, I might be look- biased because he is in my dynasty league. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going back. I was just out of curiosity. I was looking at his contract more in depth with the uh, Giants. So in 2023, he's going to have 11 million dollar salary with a 200 thousand dollar workout bonus. Like he's gonna have a two hundred thousand dollar workout bonus over the next four years through twenty twenty six, so I'm kind of curious what that workout bonus. I guess that's just staying in shape. Is that a, you think that's probably a common thing? In the that's NFL, a, it's right? a, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty common thing, and I I didn't quite notice it until that Kyler Murray contract broke out last year. Whenever you <laughs> homework had to clause, watch, yeah, the homework you had to watch film clause, and then I was yeah, kind of looking more into depth true. about it, and they had the workout bonus, and then. I was kind of looking at that as well. It's a, it's a, a lot of, a lot of people thing. actually do that. Yeah. I was about to say a lot of people actually do that. But I don't think a lot of people realize what goes into contracts in the NFL. Like if y'all remember, I don't know if y'all remember this. Uh, it was, oh man, it was a few years. I'll, I will work ago. out for $200,000 a year. Easily. <laughs> you think so? Oh. What if it will? Oh. 
365 days out of the year, you think you could do 250? 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Okay. We're, Two we're times 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You talk three to four hour workouts for 250 days out of the year. For 200,000? 200,000. I would do it for 200,000. Yeah. You don't, you don't think you would? Oh, I absolutely would. I'm just yeah. questioning your, I'm questioning your logic and your, is that because I'm over 300 pounds? Not at all. Not okay. at all. It means you can <laughs> lift a lot. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're stacked 300 pounder. Stack 300 pounder. I, I'm getting I would out do of your it for way. 200, I mean, it doesn't say in the contract how long he has to work out for and how many times he has to work out during the day. <laughs> hey, just, just, meet your, just meet your goal legally, dude. Just meet uh, it legally. If it's a two hour workout <laughs> in the morning or evening, I'd do it for 200,000. Yeah, two, two hour workout, do an hour and a half warm up, and then you're good. A little 30 minute hit workout. What is that? Scrolling through, scrolling, scrolling through TikTok? Is that. <laughs> yeah. A little restroom break in between water breaks. There you go. Solid. Hey, but one thing I was going to bring up too is like the contracts. What goes in them? Do y'all do y'all remember uh, Ben Roethlisberger having to pay a fine for for riding a motorcycle? Do y'all remember that? Yeah. I the do. man, like, dude, dude. There's things in your contract. Yeah. Hey, if you do this, if you do this, we'll pay you this and this, right? Well, if you do this, if you do that, we're gonna fine you. Like, that's crazy. I, I get it, right? But Imagine being in the NFL. How long has Ben Roethlisberger in the NFL? Over 20 years, right? It got to be. Right. Imagine not being able to do what the hell you want to do, right? You can't drive a motorcycle. Like, I'm like, but from a, from a from a business, because like we were saying, the NFL yeah, is the business. I, I would not want my, my star quarterback out here okay. just zooming. Okay. Off, on... off topic. Off topic. I'm glad y'all brought this up because neither one of y'all are NASCAR fans. Not at all. No. Pay me $200,000, I will. <laughs> okay, you get paid. You get paid a lot more than that to be an NASCAR driver, sir. Hey, but I'm telling you, I'll I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it for two hundred thousand. You put so, me in NASCAR, and I'll go backwards. You would probably be arrested for murder. <laughs> on all honesty, I don't know how that would work. No one's ever done that. But I'm glad y'all brought all that up. You know, like you talk about Big Ben being fined because he was riding a motorcycle, and then like the Steelers didn't want him to get hurt. My favorite driver who drives for Hendrick Motorsports, his name is Chase Elliott. And a couple weeks ago, they were racing in Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And they race on a Sunday. Well, that does not go in the NASCAR contracts. (laughs) And that's why um, I don't like NASCAR. Well, yeah. You just don't Uh, like NASCAR cars. But anyways, it, it, it just made me think of this because... On his way to the speedway, he stopped in Colorado on Friday to go snowboarding and broke his fibia. And now he can't drive the car for nine weeks. You only need one leg to drive. Yeah. Uh, th- no, you need two legs to drive a car- NASCAR, sir. I I would like I mean, to tell you, I would like to tell, I would I mean, like for you to tell all the drivers. There's three pedals in the car. You hitting two of them at once? Y- yes. Was there a clutch? Yes. You have the gas, the brake, and the clutch. There's three pedals in that. Well, we learning a little bit of something today, DJ. But but I like that goes back to mention, like they just started the season. They're a couple weeks in, and then he breaks his fibula, snowboarding, and this guy is like, like he won the championship in 2020. So like he's like NASCAR's most popular driver, and like he's a championship driver. So like 
You know, he was in the championship four last year, had the chance to win the championship again. So how did he, how did this man get to college? Did he drive to Colorado? Is that what NASCAR no, drivers, is that what NASCAR no, drivers do? Is they just, they, they're no, supposed but, to drive in Las Vegas and they're like, you know, what would be a cool idea. No, they if fly. We drive all the way to, we drive all the way to Colorado. They fly. They have like private jets and stuff. There's money in NASCAR. There's a lot of money in NASCAR that y'all don't know about. So, uh, no, I, I've seen Talladega Nights. I know a lot of money. Oh my God! Maybe but that's no, like, the issue. Is he he didn't have three skis? Like he had three three pedals. I I, I don't know, but like probably broke his fibula. As an as an <laughs> owner, like you you take that in consideration. Like, at what point do you like? And it is in the middle of the season. But what point do you play the human card? Like, he is human and he wants to enjoy his life, and he always done stuff like this and just happened to have a freak accident. As an owner, are you mad? I mean, I see, I see exactly what you're saying. How that kind of correlates with the Ben Roethlisberger thing, and how you know I can see how the organization structures their contracts because when that happens, you know, that kind of can make or break your organization in that time frame, and possibly, you know you know, for a long period of time. Um, you know, yeah, I think there needs to be a humanistic point to it. You know, I think that, you know, contracts should be made in a way it is a business, but at the same time, like, you know, I think you should have a sense of being able to do what you want to do, you know? Um, and I think players still have that, but, you know, driving a motorcycle, um, I, I think it is kind of dangerous. I think it is, but, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a fine line, you know, to ride there. So, see, like that's that's my thing, and I, I don't know too much about it. I've kind of heard a little bit um, with kind of how some contracts work. To my knowledge, there, like for NFL wise, I can again, I cannot speak to NASCAR, but to my knowledge, I don't think that there is some sort of like healthcare that these players get. So, but. If you tell me that I can't ski or I can't ride a motorcycle, then give me health insurance. Yeah, because like, at this point, I'm 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 living my life. Yeah, like, and right, like right. like he has like and another thing like a lot of your NASCAR drivers live around the Charlotte, North Carolina area because that's where like NASCAR is like the headquarters is. That's where like all your team's garages are. But this man, he still lives in his hometown of Georgia, and he has his pilot license, and he flies back and forth, like. And he, 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 I mean, he's always done stuff like this because he's, he's living his life, right? Like, you know, like you're in season, but on, on, you know, you know, you, you, between weeks, you stop in Colorado to go on, on a ski trip. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't see the problem with that, but as a, as a car owner, when you're paying this man $8 million every Sunday to race your car, I could see why he'd be a little pissed off, but no, I mean, obviously yeah, as an owner, I'd be, I'd be hot, but you can't just say your life is racing. Your life is football, and that's all you get to do. If you know me, that's all you're going to get to do. As long as you play for my team or whatever, this is all you get to do. Like, And there's business owners out there, but I'm telling you, if I was a business owner and I'm very far from being a professional sports business or team owner, but if I ever was, there's no way. Of course, I would prefer if they didn't, but I'm not going to find you or anything else like that. Yeah, well, I, and I think ridiculous. I think to kind of go off where I was talking about, we're riding the fine line and kind of go with DJ with the health insurance. You know, 
give me insurance then. You know, I, I think from an owner, I think where an owner would come back and say, well, we're, you know, where's my insurance? You know, like if you go out and we give you health insurance, but you get hurt now, but you have insurance, but you're out for a year, you're out for two years, you know, well, what are we going to do? You know, it's a business, you know, what are, what are we going to do? We're paying you all this money guaranteed on top of health insurance. Now we're losing money because you're out. Like I, I get it. You know, they're thinking, what is their insurance? But they kind of, I guess, go back to the whole point of, you know, you know, maybe saying, Hey, you can't drive a motorcycle. Hey, you can't go skiing. You can't do this stuff. A lot of it is for the players too, because look at like uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Not saying this dude did anything to avoid to violate his contract or do anything that was he wasn't supposed to do. But look how often he was hurt this year, right, Nathan? Like he was hurt a lot. Guess who came in? Who came in and took over? You know, Tony Pollard. Yeah, and he who was a better right? running back the past right. Few years. So, but I think that if I think that if Ezekiel Elliott stayed healthy. I think that man Pollard would have never gotten as much of an opportunity to showcase his abilities. I think that if you get hurt, your career, even if you come back in three months, a short time period, you know, a quick turnaround, if it's not that serious of an injury, you're still getting three months to your backup to show why he deserves to be where you are. Well, and it's, to take it's over not, your position. it's like NASCAR is a little different, right? Like there's only like 34, yeah. 35 drivers on Sunday and that's because those are the best drivers in the world. Like so for all of us like non NASCAR fans. The backup who's driving for Chase Elliott right now uh-huh. is nowhere comparable to how the talent level that Chase Elliott has. Like Does this guy could, just come off the bench if whenever like Well I mean they have like a that's it's like minor leagues. So they have they the got- Xfinity series and the truck series. So like they bring the guy up from the Xfinity series to fill in for Chase Elliott until he gets back. So, but like you can sit here and you can watch a Chase Elliott race when he's driving the nine car, and then you go watch his backup drive the nine car, and you're like, that man is nowhere near as good as Chase Elliott because no, not not everybody can go in those cars and drive 200 miles an hour with you know a centimeter between each of the cars with four cars around you and not hit or wreck anybody. Like, right. So I think what DJ saying is like for for people like us that who don't understand, like, do they? How do they find these talented NASCAR drivers? Like, do they do they find them from the Big Ten, you know, NASCAR, you know, college? Well, it's like, know, like, like where they where do they you, find where these you just drivers? you start racing young, like the cams and okay, you know, the, okay. the dirt models and like stuff like that, and then you get noticed and whatnot, and then like people sign you, and then you get into the truck series, and you get in the Xfinity, and then you make it to the Cup series where you're getting paid millions of dollars every Sunday to race. So I mean, like they like it. It's like it. I mean, it's like any other sport. You have to come up through the ranks. Like you have to be good in the truck series to move to the Xfinity series. Then once you're good in the NASCAR, Xfinity series, NASCAR to go drivers to go to series. school. Like, do they go to college? Like, is that a thing? I mean, okay, I went to drive so in school. Joe Gibbs, who was used to be a coach in the NFL, is now a car owner. In NASCAR. His mm-hmm. grandson is 19 years old, and he's a Cup Series driver. Wow! So he doesn't go to college. No, I don't, I don't I mean, know. Why would you need to, I guess, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess you would have to know from a, a, a pretty young age. It, it, is it like, depends. Yeah. yeah. I'm, how I'm, good yeah. are you? Like, how good of a driver are you? That's, that's, so, the, that's, that's the, who, the main thing. What is your youngest age in the NASCAR? I just said Ty Gibbs is 19. Okay. So 19. So do you think that they, their average age when they leave, do you think that they can usually drive longer than like, say your Tom Brady's? 
like do you think they can drive a lot longer or do they retire well, about relatively the yeah, what's same? The, what's the oldest right now? Do you know? Kevin Harvick, he's like going. late 40s. Late 40s? He's retiring this year. This is even his last ni- year. Even 19 to 39. Yeah, so years. Kevin Harvick came in, and he is he was the backup driver for Dylan Hart when he d- died at Daytona. Wow. So you're saying Tom Brady has a chance? I'm saying what? You're saying Tom Brady has a chance. Really? He could he could race a NASCAR. Absolutely <laughs> not. No. No. They, that dude's I an mean, athlete. If, if, if somebody if some if somebody got in front of him, they would probably dump and run on his ass. What if uh <laughs> what if uh we got a we got uh, Ben Rolfsberger out there, and like the he's in the ATX. He's out there doing like dirt biking and stuff, right? Travis now. Travis Pastrana did run the five hundred this year. Wait, Travis Pastrana? The... Yeah, Travis Pastrana. Have y'all seen his uh, his side by side stuff? His videos on YouTube. He's got say, seven he's million. Kinda, he's kind of he's a big guy. He's kind of in that realm though of like motor. Well, I mean, but yeah, but he, I mean, he does it he, all. He was on two wheels motocross. Okay. Yeah, but I mean it's motorsports. He, like, he tried to get love... in. He tried to get into NASCAR and just got just steamrolled. Out of the hey, out, okay, out of the quarterbacks in the league right now, active quarterbacks, if they're all put in NASCAR, who's winning the race? We're talking about <laughs> five laps. Who's winning it? I think Ooh. Lamar Jackson's looking for some guaranteed money. <laughs> hey, he's he's full send. I think he's doing full throttle, dude. I think he's. I Who's think got the he's, fastest car? Who's got the fastest? It had who, Lamar who, Jackson. Probably so Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. Although I could see if I had to vote on who would win a race out of the current, I'd say Josh Allen. I felt I, like, in all honesty, though, like no one can jump in these cars and just do what these no, drivers I know. I, these do. Hypotheticals. These are hypotheticals. All five, they would all wreck. They would all wreck each other. It. The whole there would be no winner. <laughs> okay, but we're not talking about two hundred miles an hour. We're not taking these cars to the max. We're we're each going probably like you know hundred. No, I, well, no, if well, you what get do, in there, you're going full throttle, wide open. What if they? What if? Uh, what if, What about our shorter quarterbacks? What about a uh, Kyler Murray? Oh, <clears throat> I don't know if he'd see out the window. <laughs> we got. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Kyler Murray, he's an athlete, but I don't know. He's he's got to be able to touch the pedals. Yeah, he can, he can run fast. All he can run fast. I don't know if he can drive fast. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is just dazed out of his mind. Aaron Rod, hey, Aaron Rodgers might have a good shot. He did date Danica there for a while. Oh, he's got some pointers. That's he not, probably got some secrets. It's not got a some bad. Secrets. I've, I've, Maybe my front runner. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're talking all active NFL quarterbacks, I'd probably go Aaron Rodgers just because he went with Danica there for a stint. I saw him on her pit box for a couple of races. Sheesh. Mm. Well, mm. boys, I think we call it a wrap. Yep. I think that was a good first episode. I think uh, we talked about a lot. Um, I think we've got plenty more to talk about. I think this is one of many. And I'm Guys, fellas. We we made it. We here. We did to the so, end. Yep, riding the I, pine, boys. I think riding I think the pine. I think Mama's proud of us, DJ. Uh, I hope so. I think she man. Us. You think Mama's gonna listen to the whole thing? No, she won't. But probably, probably not. not. No, she know her. Bo, ride the pine. Bo Riley will definitely will though. <laughs> and and then tweet about it for sure. Maybe maybe. Speaking of that, guys, thank y'all so much for listening. Um, 
go follow us. We obviously are a new start- startup podcast. We are on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So please give us a like and a follow there. Um, it is always much appreciated. Please let us know if there's anything that y'all liked about the show, disliked. Again, we are new and we want to provide the best for our listeners. So please let us know, again, what y'all liked and what y'all disliked. And we will promise we will try to meet those needs if there's anything that y'all want us to discuss about in later topics. As always, please let us know in social media as well. And thank y'all so much for the listen, guys. And listeners, never forget, there's always room to, to ride, ride the pine. pine. Dalton <laughs> goes ride. so slow. Dalton goes so slow. That's the problem. Hey, he goes time, to ride the pine. Listeners, I swear, by the time we're about episode 10, I, I hope synchronize. <laughs> anyway, oh, thank y'all for listening. Not.